0: Welcome to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, a weekly podcast for BJJ enthusiasts who are striving to succeed both on and off the mats. This podcast is brought to you by Robles, makers of the world's finest custom Jiu-Jitsu apparel. And here are your hosts on the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui.
1: There's a lot of things in, are we recording? No, we're not recording. I think we we're just, there we go. Now there we're we go. On. We're on um, you just brought up a topic that I think is real interesting because there's a lot of things in jujitsu and in business, but especially in jujitsu, I find that they should work and then they, they don't work and, they don't. and it's super frustrating. I, you know, Yusuf is a good example of that, right? It's like people expect things should work. Like you see it on a YouTube video yeah. or someone's coaching you in the corner yeah. and they're like, do this. And yeah. you try to do it and you, it's just epically – epic, it's just an epic fail, yeah. right? And that's where I think like having tr- – like that relationship betr- between coach, trainer, and student, athlete, whatever, yeah. that has to be like – there has to be um, an enormous amount of trust. You have to yeah. really believe in your coach, your trainer, that what they're telling you actually works – it's not a, so when they when when they coach you to do something and it doesn't work, you don't say to yourself, "My coach doesn't know what he's talking about." Rather, you should be saying to yourself, "I'm just not able to do what my coach is telling me to do yet." Yeah, right. Yeah, but for some reason, and I don't know. Obviously, I'm just the root cause of everything is always going to be ego from now on, right? <laughs> like for me, uh, I just I feel like I see something on YouTube or I see some or like. A, you know, uh, a coach will say something, and I, if I can't execute it the first time, I'm like, what's going on? I get so frustrated with that. Yeah. And yeah. realistically, that's just – it's unreasonable to be frustrated. It's like when people – we've said this before. Um, watching Tiger Woods hit a golf ball, and you, then you go out and you never play golf. And you're yeah. like, can I hit the stupid golf ball? Like, yeah I don't know why we think that way, that we should just be able to do things that we normally – that we haven't repped out and we haven't really forget about it, even mastered. Like we, we haven't even crossed the elementary phase of yeah. comprehension. Um, <laughs> yeah. Speaking for myself, of course. Yeah, it's uh,
2: well, you know, when you watch things on the, the good thing, I, here's like the thing I think that's good about a realistic martial art, be it, you know, more traditional fighting stuff like boxing, wrestling or jiu-jitsu judo Thai boxing all that is that you can see things online or you can see an idea of a technique or position or whatever but you have to test it out and that's and the good thing about martial arts the ones that have real actual feedback is you do test it out because anything can look cool like you know that's that was like hollywood movies or whatever it's like you see all these fight scenes and it always looks cool because it's choreographed. So it's like when they go and they miss the dude by this much, he still goes down and you're like, that's very nice of him. Um, but when something's not choreographed, when there's actual resistance, um, then you kind of learn. Does this thing work? Is, it, is there something to shut it down? Um, or is it like because some things work, but it's like you, you don't have the timing or the feel yet. And I think that when it comes to coaching, what can be difficult is sometimes, especially in something like jiu-jitsu, where most of the coaches are also active, like competitors or trainers as well, sometimes they're coaching you on things that they would do or things that work for them versus, I think, with something like boxing, where the coaches tend to not be active boxers. Some of them were boxers, but they're, they're not active by the time they're coaching. They tend to base everything around your actual game and your habits and understanding you um, versus like Jiu Jitsu. It's like you see things where like, you know, the guy gets around you you're like, OK, get on your side. And it's like the guy smashing your face and like ripping your neck. And you're like, I think I would break my head off if I got on my side here. It's like this weird thing of like <laughs> they will tell you to do things that like they feel impossible in that moment. And um, that can be Because I I think there's a difference between somebody who sort of knows how to be effective as a practitioner versus somebody who knows how to be a good coach for you or their students specifically in what their students are specifically good at. Because the answer in that position could be various things depending. Because some people, it's like nowadays, all these guys have a cool buggy choke. So maybe you don't want to get on your side. You want to get on your back and pull the guy in. Uh, maybe the person is more of a wrestler, so they do want to get, maybe they want to turtle away. Like there there could be so many different answers to the same scenario versus the stock answer of just get on your side. Um, that might apply to fewer people than it doesn't apply to. Like, I, I don't know. So yeah, it's like, it's it's interesting because the coaching advice changes from person to person. There's not necessarily universal things that everyone should do there might be universal principles in order to do the individual things that somebody does. But, and that's, that kind of goes into all we all, you know, the other stuff we always talk about with business and things like that. Cause it's like, you know, from a real estate point of view, you can drive through a, a suburb, a city farmland and all that. And you know, that somebody's made money from all those different types of real estate. So you may have to take the principles that they did to make that money. They're buying correctly. They're adding value. They're, you know buying at the right time they're they're understanding the selling market and all that kind of stuff but you may only apply that to some specific commercial thing you may just apply it to mobile homes or houses or you know there's all the different things that you can apply it to mm-hmm. um, and if somebody's like, dude, you just want to buy houses that's the way to make money or oh you just buy mobile homes and it's like well now you're saying that this is the way that you've done it but that doesn't mean that that's right for somebody else for for a huge variety of reasons Person so the only way. You know, yeah, that's the thing. So it's, um,
1: you know, yeah, it's, you bring up something that's interesting that we can kind of pick up off or pick up on um, from our last conversation last week. where We were talking about throwing spaghetti on the wall, right, okay. and um, figuring out what works. Yeah. And I think something that I've seen for myself, but I'm gonna I'm gonna throw like a lot of other people in there as well um, in jujitsu and in business. So you 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 try something and it doesn't work and you're like well I threw spaghetti on the wall and I figured out it doesn't work so I gave up on it and there's that reality of you can be giving up on something that actually works too quickly yeah, yeah. and that I see that happen I've done it personally both in jujitsu and in business where I tried something and it didn't work immediately so I'm like ah it doesn't work for me and I moved on to something else yeah. only to gain more experience and years later, circle back to that thing that wasn't working. And now it's like my go-to weapon, yeah. either in jujitsu and business.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to know. Like, when do you know, how do you know when to hold them and when to fold them? I mean, the old uh, Kenny exactly. Rogers question, right? I mean, like, exactly. it's, it, it's it's hard to say because obviously, like, they always talk about, like, you know, you were just, you were digging, you were digging, you were digging, you were just like one foot away from gold, you stopped digging. And it's like, Yeah. But we've also met those people that like, you know, when I lived in Los Angeles, there was a lot of these guys that, were like, oh, I'm still going to make it in Hollywood. And it's like, how long have you been working on it? 30 years. How many things you've been in? One Bud Light commercial. I mean, you know, whatever. Like there's just it, it wasn't in the cards for them and they wouldn't stop. And it's like they're just going to toil in obscurity forever. Um, so it's kind of a weird balance. And it's like maybe you have, you know, some people are really good about giving themselves like a certain amount of time to work on something. And um I think that can be good, but I feel like y- you always need to see some sort of signal of success, even if it's like like a, a jujitsu technique. It might just feel right, and you're like, okay, I, I can't do this on anybody yet, but it, but but this just feels correct to me. Um, you know, with with certain business things, I think it's like there has to be some level of comfort, you know, or some level of like like when I started doing mobile homes, like I, I had. Probably never even been in a mobile home before, Um, so it was like there was there was an unfamiliarity. But as soon as I started talking to sellers, I felt comfortable. I was like, okay, like this, I can do this. Like there, even though it was like I hadn't found a deal or whatever, but just like going, calling people's for sale signs, going in their house or whatever, I'm like, I feel totally comfortable doing this. Like it doesn't bother me at all. If it had felt like just really weird or off putting or like some crazy dog had attacked me right away or whatever, like maybe I never would have done it. You know, so it's like there may have to be like little um, like just little drips of success in the beginning. Um, I, I think, you know, it's like I'm trying to think of things that I, I start
1: off that, that I was terrible. Well, you know, at. I, I think I might have answered, at least for me, my own question in and, you know, introducing this idea of giving up on something too early only to come back to figure out that it actually works now. And I think that that's, that might be it, at least for me, where if something doesn't work to get, you, it, it, there's nothing wrong with setting it aside yeah. and exploring things that yeah. are, that feel more natural, more comfortable, yeah. that yeah. are going to bring you a ame- more, what I would say, immediate success. Yeah. And then as you gain experience, there's nothing wrong with circling back and trying uh, that, whether that technique or that strategy for business, um, trying it again. Um, yeah. so I, I think, I think there's some power to maybe you never really give up on stuff. I mean, I, I mean, obviously there's things that you, that you completely are just like, cause I, I agree with you. I think that when you're not comfortable with something, then it doesn't matter if the t- technique strategy, whatever we're talking about, I- if it works for someone else, but you're not comfortable with it, then you're probably never going to be very proficient at it. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like shooting a gun, right? If you're just not comfortable shooting a gun, I mean, you got to get comfortable before you're going to, before you're actually going to hit your target. I mean, you got to be comfortable. Yeah. Um, but I think that things can change, right? Like something that you're not comfortable with now, as you can continue to grow, um, on the mats in business that you can, you know, you can re-explore some old ideas yeah. And give them a feel again. And, and you might be like, you know what? I'm completely comfortable with something two years later that two years ago, uh, it was like, uh, oh, this is not gonna be for me. So I think at least for me, it's I I I agree with you hundred percent. Figure out what feels comfortable and 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 go down that route and and set other things off to the side, yeah. put them on the back burner. Um, but then there's nothing wrong. Um, with re-exploring them as you gain more experience and become more proficient.
2: Yeah, because I mean, it's it's sort of an interesting um, dilemma that we've sort of created for ourselves in this conversation, where it's like you want to push past your comfort zone. Like it, it is important to get outside your comfort zone, but at the same time, there is merit to to a degree following your intuition on things, especially if you have a certain amount of life experience. Um, so, like. The example I would give for me, just my own experience would be um, like apartment investing. So probably about, God, it's coming up on four years ago now, right about four years ago, I was doing a lot of like meeting of apartment guru guys and like going to these groups and going to these conventions and stuff like that, where there's all these young people talking about investing in multifamily and all this kind of stuff. And I couldn't put my finger on it because part of me i always want to be like am i just being cynical i don't want to be like a know-it-all because i certainly am not um but something just felt off with a lot of these things and 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 i when i so I, i like i want to acknowledge that and not necessarily like go away from the whole thing but but not ignore that feeling of like something seems off and then revisit that and go okay why And that could be for, you know, for technique or whatever, whatever it might be. And so for me, it was like going back and being like, well, the problem I'm seeing is you have a lot of people that are raising a lot of money that are not what I would consider experienced investors. I would consider them guys who've been doing it for a few years. They've done a few deals and they've hit the market at the absolute best time to hit the market when things are just skyrocketing up. And people forget they've lost perspective on the fact that cycles go up and down, all that kind of thing. And I guess the jujitsu analogy would be like, you know, it's 2016 and somebody's learned how to heel hook someone well. And they're like, I have discovered an indestructible technique that no one can stop now. I'm just going to heel hook everyone and they're all screwed. And you'll be right for a while. Just like the apartment investor guys, like they they had all this stuff where they're like the magic of multifamily. And they're like, you can take... You know, 100 units. And if you just increase the rent $50 a month for all those 100 Mm -hmm. units, you've added all this value, the magic of multifamily. And it's like, yes, as that's going up, that's great. Look how much more valuable you've made your property. But what if rents go down $25 a month? Because they will in certain markets when you have all you enthusiastic investors buying things at these super high prices all trying to increase your rents at the same time somebody's going to be like well i'd rather get more tenants in i'm going to lower my rents down and that's going to start lowering rents down so i don't know it's just sort of like when you when you with all these things i think it's i don't want to get too far in the weeds but i think it's important to kind of take notes of how certain things feel feedback you're getting what does your spidey sense say on on certain things because i think to be in something for the long haul um and comfort might be the wrong word because i don't i like it may make you uncomfortable but it's it needs to feel like it's a good fit and for like a jiu jitsu analogy it's like okay if you're somebody who's in your you know a little bit older and maybe not super athletic doing you know inversions and things that that require a lot of speed and stuff like that you can develop those things but is that the best use of your time given the limited amount of time and given what you want to do with something like so is is it a good fit So with other types of investing, what I would say is that, you know, going to a mobile home park or going to a house or whatever, it might make you uncomfortable, but is it a good fit in terms of, is that market viable, fairly close to where you live? Like, is that, you know, is that investment within the price range you're looking for? Is it the risk tolerance you're willing? If all those things feel like a good fit, then it's like, okay, if you just have to get over being nervous, talking to strangers, that to me is like, you got to get out of your comfort zone on that. But if it's something where, like, and this is a mistake I've made before, where it's like, okay, it's it's two hours away, like, but it's a really you know good numbers and blah blah blah. But by the time I get to this house and look at it, I so I'm just so stressed about leaving and spending another two and a half hours driving back that I'm not really going to focus on the deal and stuff like that. Then it's like, it's not a good fit. It, it's in your comfort zone, but it's still not a good fit because it's too far away and the logistics of that matter past a certain point. So yeah, a lot of this, I guess, is just kind of figuring
1: out. Well, you know, one thing that I was going to say as, as you were talking and I, I was, I was thinking about it and I agree, but now I'm thinking that on the jujitsu of life, we often talk about principles that can be applied both to jujitsu and business. Yeah. And now I'm thinking that there are some principles that they don't cross over to jujitsu in business. And here's what I, and here's where I, I'm going with this. And I don't know if I'm right, so so maybe you'll help me nail down an answer. We talk about a uh, level of competence in business. And I think that when money is on the line, I believe that you need to stay within your level of uh, your level of competence, right? Um, play games where you have a higher probability of winning. Yep. But when there's not money on the line, I think that that's where you go outside your comfort zone yeah. and you try to explore different things mm-hmm. and by doing those by, by doing that hopefully will ultimately make you uh better in business yeah. and i think a good example of this is for example um if we were going to um for money money was on the line and we had to choose a game well i'm going to choose boxing right? Boxing is the game that I'm going to choose because yeah. that's where I feel like my level of competence is at. However, if we're not talking about money and we're talking about growth and we're talking about getting outside my comfort level, well, now we're going to start talking about jujitsu, which is exactly what my story was. And you had the reverse of that, yeah. right? If money was on the line and you met me 10 years ago and you said, Mo, we're going to have to compete for money. You're going to want to play jujitsu, right? Yeah. Yeah. But if money wasn't on the line and you just wanted to grow as an individual, yeah. you were going to be like, Mo, I want to learn a box, which you yeah. which which you have for, uh, yeah. for the last, you know, uh, since we've known each other yeah. uh, and have become very good, by the way, as my, as you <laughs> have added to the cauliflower ear <laughs> that, that I have yesterday. um, And what this brings to mind is is exactly what we were our conversation after training yesterday is like you're reading these books about engineering. Now, yeah. let's. So taking that same thought, yeah. you're not going to go out tomorrow and start trying to be an engineer and yeah. make money on it. Yeah. But because money's not on the line, yeah. you're looking to grow in these different areas because you don't know how yet, but somehow it's going to yeah. benefit you. Yeah. Yeah. So that that kind of follows up on that book,
2: um, which I can't even remember the name by David Epstein um, that I read last week or whenever it was about it generals. Rain? Yes, range. That's the range. name. So um, what Range talks about is that the, the sort of broader scope of knowledge you can have, the better chance you have of being successful in ways that you may never even think about. Like it just may be something where you see patterns in something and you apply it to something else. That's why like I love our podcast. And when I would tell people about our podcast, they're like jiu-jitsu and business. Like this this weird look. Like why would they have anything to do with each other? I'm like, but they do. And I would say, even on what you're talking about, I would still say it actually applies to jujitsu. And and here's how I would say it applies. You're saying when money's on the line, I would use that analogy for tournament competition. And I would say that you have your A game and you have your your game you're going to do in competition. And when you're prepping for that competition, you're sharpening the sword. You're working on that A game and, and all that kind of thing. Competition goes, you try and implement your game. The other person tries to implement theirs. Whoever's better wins. When you're Outside of competition, that's where you start going outside of your comfort zone. You start working on those weak links working on things. Um, The classic example for me is always Marcelo Garcia, because I watched a lot of his competition career and in the beginning like he had, you know, arm drag, good X guard, good back control, good chokes from the back. So this is like one of these things where no one knows who you are. It's like you can do your A game and it's going to come. It's basically going to catch them by surprise, even if it's something that everybody in the gym knows, OK, he's good at these things. Well, these people don't know you, so you're going to be able to do all those. However, once you do them, and especially in the world where it's, you know, it's on film and all that, people are going to watch and they're going to start studying. So now they're going to start coming up with answers for stuff. And it's like with Marcelo, it was like, well, they're not going to turn away because they don't want to give you back. So now they're going to turn in. So then he developed like a super good guillotine. So it's like they turn away, does a rear naked choke, turn in, he does a guillotine, started working his whole guillotine game, getting that from everywhere. So then people are like, well, I know what I'll do. I'm just not going to move. I'm not going to turn away. I'm not going to turn turns towards him. I'll just lay on my back. And so he's like, that's when he developed his north-south choke. And, you know, so now they lay on their back. He chokes them in the north-south. They turn away, rear nakeds them. He, him, he they, turns in, he guillotines them. And he said that north south choke he's like it took me like five years of working on that in the gym until i felt like i was ready to bring it out into competition because the evolution of gym training partners is much faster than the evolution of competition a lot of times because it's literally like the guys that are training together almost on a daily basis they're figuring each other's stuff out they're they're, so it's like you have to start figuring out counters to counters to counters of stuff because you're you're right in the trenches But when you go out, even if it's just a casual open mat somewhere, if it's a small tournament or whatever, now you're dealing with relative strangers. But as you move up and there's more footage, now people start specifically studying. So I mean, you know, and and then a lot of these guys nowadays are also putting out instructional videos. So with business, um, you know, you could say your level of competence is your your A game in your jujitsu. When you're expanding out, that could be learning new techniques or new ideas or playing around with different positions and stuff like that. But you still may not be ready to put that in your competition game. And you may never. It's one of those things that's like, that's why I love learning about clothing, like Robles and all that kind of stuff, because it's, it's interesting to me. And, and uh, Chantel has a good friend who's got a clothing company. Uh, he lives in LA. They do a lot of the stuff in Colombia, And that's really cool, too. I mean, it's a, women's clothing and stuff like that. So that stuff, I, I was like learning about it. I would probably never do it. I mean, I don't think like <laughs> middle aged dude clothes, like, I mean, like t shirt and pants clothing company is probably not going to take off. But it's interesting to me. Obviously, there's always like, I'm always like, ooh, but if you ever need new warehouse space in Central Texas, I tell my <laughs> friend Chris all the time, like that, you know, that's, you know, that would be a, an interesting thing. But um, I like learning about that. I like learning about a lot of different businesses just because, again, it could be like the marketing. Like so Sean, I think we talked about last week, like Chantel's gym, they're having trouble with some sales and stuff like that. I'm like, maybe if we could bring in Doc Snow and teach them what he does to market his chiropractic business, that would apply well to a gym business because you get you get that sort of crossover. I think where people get into trouble with a lot of business and a lot of stuff is that they they get themselves into a small echo chamber where they're only like, you know, jujitsu school guys or just talking to other jujitsu guys. You know, dentists are just talking to dentists, finding out what other dentists do. And it's like, well, now you've kind of how are you going to do the best if you're just doing what everyone else is doing? I mean, I guess you could do it the best way, but you're really not giving yourself any sort of unique advantage versus going outside of your comfort zone, outside of your business. seeing what other businesses are doing and go, okay, I, I don't make clothes, but I certainly see. OK, how they're marketing or like what kind of social media they're doing or, you know, what kind of branding are they doing? You know, that kind of stuff. I could add that to my business, you know, like little things like that. I think that's important, so. Um, so I think that the Jiu Jitsu analogy can still apply because I think that that a game is your level of competence and again that level of competence may not change in terms of like I'm not saying that it's a good idea to. Do a bunch of different businesses. I, I think in many ways it's kind of a bad idea and you've pared down and I've pared down too. I mean, I'm as of next Monday, I'll have no more short term rentals. I'll just have two rental houses in Temple. Like the idea of being all over the place, I've gotten rid of that idea. The idea of being like in residential and short term, I'm, I'm out of that too. Like, you know, you pared down, you had a couple other things going on, you kind of pared away. So I think that's that's good. But we're still always looking at other businesses, seeing what other businesses are doing that have nothing to do with our business, because I think that's important because I I think that like um, and I think that's, you know, I'd say with jiu jitsu, it's like I, I really think it's important for jiu jitsu guys to work on striking and wrestling and things like that even if it's like, man, I have no interest in, I'm never going to fight anybody in MMA. I'm hopefully never going to fight anybody on the street, even though they keep flicking me off and honking their horns at me. But, you know, <laughs> well, but, it, make- but it makes you better at the thing because you learn, like, little ideas. I was thinking about little ideas of this, like the Thai cover-up. And how can I use that on the bottom to not get choked? And how can I use that? Like, there's just, there's things that you're going to see that other arts are doing that it will stimulate thought that you probably wouldn't have thought about if you were just in that weird sort of bubble. And I think that's important. It's
1: almost like you can increase your level of competence by going outside your level of competence.
2: Yeah. I think that that's, that's what you should call a podcast too. I, I like that. I think that's totally true because I think it's like, who knows how when, when people start saying, like, well, latest studies have shown and blah, blah, I'm like, I think COVID's taught us anything. Studies mean nothing. Experts are basically useless. And we don't know how new ideas form or how things, you know, when something just clicks, we don't know what's going on inside of our brain when that happens. But I think that the more exposure you get to different stimuli of, of good thought, of good input, I think it's better. Mm-hmm. I think the reverse is true too. I think the more bad, negative things you have are, are, makes everything worse. And I would say like, even if you agree with those things, even if they align with your values, if they are done in a provocative way, it's probably not good to have that input. But I think that like, you know, when you have, the reason I'm, I I was you know, reading like this book on engineering and stuff like that, it's on civil engineering. And obviously like, Dealing with construction, I'm, I'm dealing with civil engineers, so it's good to kind of learn some of the details of stuff, but it's also what this guy's talking about. is just how he sees the world. He's like, I'm always looking up at power lines and I'm looking at bridges and I'm looking at retaining walls and stuff like that. And it's like, I want to look at it that way, too, because I feel like somehow that's going to stimulate. Something for me to look at something. To, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what it's going to lead to. And I think that's part of the, the faith of going outside your your competence is there may not be a direct, well, this is going to help me do this. But there probably will be something. It's just, you probably won't be able to predict it. And then it's like, well, are you okay with that? And it's like, I'm all right with that. But some people aren't. But I don't know. I think it's, I think it's good. I think it's good. So, and we talked about this yesterday too. There's some people where it's like, you know, our buddy, Cleger, uh, we talked about where it's like, he's like, I'm not willing to do what it takes to get good at this. So I'm just not going to do it. We talked about another guy you knew, who's sort of the same idea of like, yeah, I just don't want to get good at that. So I'm not going to do it at all. And to me, that seems sort of crazy. But then there's lots of things I don't want to do. Like I there's it's I don't know, it's just one of these things like it's some sometimes people don't want to try something That they probably won't be great at but it's like they certainly have like a huge curve where they could get at least competent at it and they just don't want to do it so which again if if it was like a random person who's like i don't want to learn how to strike i'd be like i understand but if it's somebody who's already like into combat sports and into not scared of the close contact and not scared of the violent aspect of it to me that seems a little
1: more odd because well, you know, what's a good example of that is you—you're starting to see that. I mean, obviously, MMAs its 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 own deal, but yeah. uh, combat jujitsu. You, yeah. I, I see that so much yeah. where there are grapplers that they, they get smacked, and I yeah. love I love combat jujitsu. Yeah, I really enjoy watching it. It's pretty I, good. Yeah, um, they get smacked, and they they are not used to getting smacked. Yeah, yeah. And you can you could immediately tell like they give up their back to turn away yeah. from punches coming at them, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think that what I really like about combat jiu-jitsu is that it's an eye-opener for people that are very high level in jiu-jitsu. They're getting, invi- they're getting invited to this event. Yeah. And it's going to be an eye-opener for them, right, where they get smacked and they're like, holy crap, this could really happen to me, and I need to get comfortable yeah. with getting hit in order to be better at my jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Yeah, right? I, I think and, so too. And we talked about that yesterday is when it comes to striking, it's not necessarily about comfortable hitting people. I think everybody's comfortable, you know, yeah. hitting someone. Yeah. Like I was telling you, I could take my eight-year-old niece and be like, you know, go hit the bag and, and yeah. she'll hit the bag. She won't know. She may backslap it. She may do whatever, Yeah. Um, but she, she'll know how to hit it. But then yeah. if I ask her like, okay, now I want you to defend <laughs> against my straight right, yeah. like, she's, she's just going to get – uh, knock, knocked out. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's not going to know what to do. And, and, and we've seen this with grown men. It's disturbing yeah, yeah. where a punch comes at them and they don't know how to defend it. They, they, yeah. a lot of times they'll lift up their leg. They do weird things. They'll lift up their leg. They'll turn all the way around, like give you a circle, yeah. uh, and, and give you their back, which I guess yeah. is kind of a smart thing, right? Cause you're protecting your, I don't know. It's like instinctual, like you're protecting your, your vital yeah. organs or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it's not the correct thing that you yeah. should be doing. And so um, learning to – like hitting something I think is very instinctual. Defending against being hit is not. And I think that that's where the emphasis on training – like if I was to coach a fighter for striking, we would start first and foremost with defense and footwork. And I think that I'd want them to master those elements before we get into offense. Yeah.
2: I, no, I agree. And it's, it's something that um, – that's – I think that's something that for me, at least I want to train for the rest of my life. Not, not somebody really trying to hit me hard. You know I mean? That like, I don't think taking that damage is necessary or good, I'm with but, you there. but I think it's one of those things that you can get a lot. I think you can get probably about 80% of the way there just by having somebody just kind of the sparring that we were doing yesterday. It's like, we're not hitting each other hard, but it's, it's hard enough that it's not like you're going to walk through it and be like, ah, no big deal. And it just keeps you aware of what's possible out there. Because, you know, I had this text conversation with Jeff yesterday for some reason. And, uh, you know, you and I had this conversation many, many times. It is bananas to me the number of grown men who probably have never had a punch thrown at them in their entire lives, or at least not since they were a child, that walk around with no idea that that's a possibility. With the way that they act. Like, once. Please.
1: The thing that angers me even most are the ones that believe like they can destroy every human being on earth. And they've never, never have even trained. I know. I've never had a punch thrown at them. I hate those people. And I'm sorry. Like, I know we talked about 2023. We weren't going to use the word hate, but I hate those people. I hate them.
2: Well, it's because it's funny, man, because you think about like, any other thing, like fighting is obviously a skill and there's people that grow up fighting and grow up in rough neighborhoods. So like even that, it's like, well, then they've had a lot of
1: practice. So it's still a skill. Like no, like oh, very sure. few people
2: start off as good fighters. It's just you. I
1: know it can be you, annoying, right? When, and I'm sorry to cut you off. I know you funny. and I both get annoyed when someone's like, I'm 10 and 0 in the street, but right. there's some reality to it. There is. Like if they yeah. legitimately, yeah. like legitimately they've had some yeah. serious street fights. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I mean, look at, uh, what is that, Masvidal? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's basically he was getting into yeah. some street fights. He was. He and, was. And, and you're you're learning your craft. Yes, absolutely. No, I think and I think there's
2: there's absolute that's nothing to just, you know, that's that's something to respect for sure. Um, but, yeah, it's like a weird thing where, you know, people think that, oh, well, I'll just get really angry and then I'll just go crazy and that'll be enough. And it's like I don't think people understand how exhausting that will be. And how terrified and panicked they will be once that plan A of I see red bro and I go crazy, (laughs) tell me what happens after the first 20 seconds, because you're going to get exhausted because you're doing things you've never done before. You haven't, you certainly don't have a lot of practice doing. And what if they are ineffective? You know, then like, there's no, like Kevin and I were talking about this the other day, like, um, cause there, there have been times where like, you know, if you're training, you know, with the right people, like there's going to be times where you you panic. And I remember telling him, like, early on when I started training more with striking, I was training with BT. And we were training. It was just him and me. And, you know, our buddy BT is very, very good at um, the whole picture, like MMA, I would say, because he's, he's very good at knowing oh, when to strike sure. and when to wrestle and all that. So we were training, like, MMA stuff. And he took me down. And he had me fully mounted. And he's hitting me. And I was exhausted. Like, we've been going for quite a while. And I was like, I can't get out of this position. And I'm like, I started panicking. Like, I started freaking out. Like, and I think I tapped out just out of fear, which is kind of embarrassing, but I mean, it, it happened. And it's like, if people have never been, never understood like how badly they could get manhandled by somebody else, I can only imagine how terrifying that would have to be mm-hmm. in a real life situation, which is even crazier to me to see that I, there's people where I damn well know that they would be that person and yet i see them <laughs> egg things on and i'm like i don't understand that and it's yeah. like it's just weird like
1: i, I guess I don't just... old school thinking too like from the 80s where if you just had like an alpha personality and you yeah. lifted a lot of weights yeah like that was that that yeah. those were the superheroes of the 80s right like yeah. in movies yeah and i think i don't want to i i don't want to throw gender into this but i yeah. just see this with like um I don't know. We'll run into some of like of my wife's friends, you know, yeah. and and, and yeah. they'll just be like, oh, yeah, Johnny, um, you don't want to mess with him. Uh, you know, he's he's super, you know, alpha guy and he's big and strong. Right. And I'm yeah. Like, OK. And but has Johnny ever been in a fight? And he's like, no, no, no. Mo. I, I know, Mo, that you've done a lot of boxing and, and you do jujitsu. But but like he's way bigger than you. And uh, he's just he's that alpha guy. I mean, you know, you're you're not yeah. going to want to mess with Johnny. I'm like. Well, okay, whatever.
2: Yeah, it's Bring weird it's,
1: to me. Bring yeah. Johnny to me. Well, yeah, I just I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a it's a weird thing because it's like it's almost like pre, it's pre, people still have this idea and I and this is something that I thought about a uh, uh, thought about today. Um so so a lot of people still have that. You ever go down like I-35 and you see a cop car and it's empty? Yeah. It causes you to slow down. And my wife, why do they do that? And I was like, is it smart? Like you don't have to use the body and people are going to slow down. It's presence. Right. So there's that element to self-defense that presence does make a difference. So people used to tell me all the time, like, Mo, um, you know, the thing about you is that people are going to underestimate you, you know, because you're you're a smaller guy. But they don't know that you've been training, you know, for 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 that long. And you've been in a lot of fights. And um, my thinking is this. Dude, I don't want to be underestimated. I'd rather – like in real life, I don't want to be underestimated. I'd rather be the super big guy that nobody tests, right? I don't want to be the small guy that everybody (laughs) underestimates and I'm constantly getting tested. That's retarded. I don't want that. Like I'd rather be the super big guy that does not know how to fight um, and nobody ever tests me because they just think like, oh, he's going to crush me. And even better yet, I'd rather be the Colby Martins of the world that I'm the super big guy that can actually – like your, your, your absolute life, like nightmare
2: friend. he's a, he's yeah, a guy he's a super athlete who can fight better than 99 <laughs> of the planet who doesn't get tired who yeah. like just yeah the whole thing but it, i you know it's weird yeah because i think um well let me ask you that. that so that's a question for you then because do you feel like you get tested more than like you and i are i'm i'm a little bit i'm about 30 pounds bigger than you now nowadays
1: i don't and i don't know it's because I'm i'm already like in my 40s so people are like don't mess with that old man anymore but um uh man yeah i i accumulated a lot of street fights growing up as a young kid in school yeah. because yeah of of being smaller right okay. and being what people thought would be an easy target um yeah 100 100 but, but nowadays but... i don't i don't i don't i don't uh you know i i'm just i'm not really in those situations anymore either you know what i mean i'm not like yeah. really going out and about and and putting myself you know like if i went out to the six street bars yeah. i can almost guarantee like some drunk guy is going to look at me and be like if i have to pick a fight with somebody i'm going to pick a fight with that guy over there yeah. Y- yeah. you know what i mean i i just yeah. as opposed to if they saw like casey or colby they're going to be like uh you know that 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 you know they're going to think twice i think yeah I, I think i always wonder about that because i I, the difference. I mean it's one of the first things they teach police officers even in the academy right like presence and how you carry yourself and so i think that size that strength um it it, it it's a mental it's like that meant it, 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 it it's that uh psychological warfare you could say but, but let right? me ask it's you this like so people think about it
2: because you're but you're saying presence and it's like is presence just physical
1: though? Like, no, not a hundred percent. It's, it's all how you carry yourself. And I think that they, you know, I don't want to give myself credit for that. Like, oh, he carries himself very like he's very secure in who he is. Yeah. So maybe that's why they don't. Um I, I like to just think that I'm older now and I don't really p- put myself in situations where those types of people um are, you know, uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be in some sort of confrontation. Um, but that could be it for sure, and I and I think there is truth to that. I mean, I tell my son that all the time. Yeah. I, I,
2: I, 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 I think
1: there's yeah,
2: because yeah. I think like because I I just know that like I always look at things and it's like because I've been like you know blessed I think with relatively good genetics and I've taken care of myself or whatever. Like if I look at myself now versus when I was like 22, I don't look that different. I'm like basically the same build, uh, same like non hair hair type thing. And so I can I can sort of do some comparison and say, like, all right, you know, now versus like 26 years ago type thing. And obviously, as a young man, there's always going to be young man energy and stuff like that. But I think about it like when I was a certain age where I felt like, dude, I just can people will not stop messing with me versus now where it's like it just doesn't happen except for random ladies flicking me off because they can't control their dog. Um <laughs> And I'm like, well, what's the difference? And it's like partly definitely it's age. Like, part, you know, you get past a certain age it's just so sort of the energy stops. But I do also think it's a different mindset and a different presence that that happens. Because um, because it's like, it's not like, okay, I was really small and then I got bigger and people stopped. No, it's like I got bigger and people still did it, which which was one of the reasons I sought out jiu-jitsu. Because I thought growing up in the 80s like you did, I was like, oh, you know, when, when I was a senior in high school, I was like 120 pounds. And I'm like, okay. I shall start lifting weights. So like three and a half years later, I'm 190 pounds, I'm like 70 pounds gained problem solved. And then it's like, nope, like still, like if anything, it was almost worse. And I'm like, well, why does this keep happening? And I was like, because I'm bluffing and I feel like somebody else has to believe my bluff. Otherwise they're going to call me on it. And maybe those guys are bluffing too. I don't know. But, you know, it was like one of those things I remember it just, these type of things would happen a lot. And then, you know, jujitsu started making it go away a little bit. And then just as time went on, it started fading. But I, I do think that sort of how you carry yourself matters. I also think where you put yourself matters as well. And I also think probably the ability to not put meaning on certain things that people are going to put meaning on in terms of being disrespected. And no one does this to me, like people that start making those, no one does whatever to me things. It's like, I'm like. That statement almost never applies to me under the right circumstances. So, because it's just foolish, but that's sort of foolish young man thinking. But there's people I know that are middle-aged that still have that thinking.
1: Yeah, do you think it was the jujitsu itself that that solved the problem? Or do you think it was those gnarly cauliflower ears that you possess now that people are like, dude, that guy, that guy looked like he's-
2: It's it's certainly, I think it certainly (laughs) helps. Like, I I do think it helps because it's like, that is something that somebody who knows what they're doing is going to notice right away. Um, and I think that, uh, I don't know, for that's me, gonna
1: I, try my, that, I think that's going to be my next business is like, you can skip all the jujitsu suffering, um, to get your black belt and just like every day show up and I'll take a hammer to your ear yes. and, and uh, we'll get you them, them cauliflower ears, man. That, well, that's, that's how you keep the bullies away. I, I think another <laughs> thing that I know that you do as well
2: is I am, I try and be like unfailingly polite to people. And I think that you yeah. do that as well. But if you can be polite but sort of have an undertone that is silent but is there, I think that matters.
1: Well, people I, – I yes, for, for sure, because there's the guy that's being polite because he has no choice but to be polite yes. in order to diffuse the bully. Yes. And then there's the guy that is polite but you can tell that he's yeah. being polite because it's a choice for him. He yes. doesn't want – to lead, you know, he doesn't want this confrontation to lead yes. somewhere else. You know yes, what I mean? But, kind but of been a like, block already.
2: And maybe, maybe what what's implicitly not said is that there is a line, and if you cross that line, like I know exactly what the consequence is, and you know you will find out too. And like that's been my that's one thing that that is my mentality towards certain things, and we've talked about it before. But um, and I think that's something that's actually kept me very safe because it's like. You know, I'm I'm always going to be played. I'm always going to be whatever. Um, but there's just there's just that line, you know. And 100%. it's like I think that's I think that's important to know because if you get to that line, you need to go there first. Maybe I don't know. Who knows? Hopefully, no. You know, no, no,
1: no. You know this is all like. Um the soon stuff right like people that have read um art of war um and and there's a lot of stuff that we've covered now that that are in that book so if someone has is listening to the podcast and they haven't or they they definitely should um but the main thing that i've taken away from that book and i always try to apply it is is the greatest victory is is the one that you win without having to actually go to battle right and only an older Person would understand that wisdom because as a younger man You actually want to battle because you find the glory the glory is in the battle The glory is being able to tell the story about how you you know, you vanquished the bully, right? Um, But a wise man who's already kind of been around the block is like no, man What did I gain from from all of that if I can actually beat this person without um, throw in a single blow or without yeah. risking a single man or without risking any of my resources, money, yeah. food, water, time, all of those, those things, any energy. Yeah. Um, and that is the greatest victory. And, and, and a lot of that is strategic planning. It's about yeah. putting yourself in the right situations, right. As best as you can, yep. you know, and a lot of the times, you know what they say, nothing happens at three in the morning, right? Like you probably shouldn't yeah. be out at three in the morning, yeah. things like simple yeah. things like that right. um, being nice, To people. I have found that using that Chris Voss, um, line works a lot where someone is just like completely irate and you genuinely go up to that person and ask them, Hey, is, is everything okay? You know what I mean? That, that kind of, they, they get so thrown off by that, right? Like you're non-confrontational. You just really like, Hey, I want to help you. You know what I mean? Um, but at the end of the day, I always tell my son this, uh, you know, it's that 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 old Chinese proverb. Um, it's better to be a what is it? It's, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener at war, right? Like at the end of the day, you got to be able to really, you got to be able to handle business yeah. because there's going to be some situations and there's going to be some people that are just so unreasonable yeah. and they're, they they that they're, they're so blind and deaf to any logic that they're going to bring violence to you. And I tell my son that when there was imminent violence, right? So, again, I want to make a clear distinction here. Imminent violence is like violence that is upon you yeah. rather than, oh, this guy, he lives two states away and he's going to – like, well, you're, you're not – there's no imminent threat, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> I tell my son, when there is imminent violence, when violence is upon you, then the only way to defeat it is with greater violence. Yeah. And that yeah. is the truth. Yeah. That is the truth. Once you are being hit, yeah. the only way to stop that – is to bring greater violence
2: yeah yeah it's true man it's true just how it is
1: that's how it is so, it's how, that's yeah that's it so um yeah, yeah.
2: cover a lot of ground should here.
1: that be, be the mic drop right there
2: <laughs> i think so i think so
1: <laughs> awesome well to re-listen to this episode or check out our past episodes go to the jujitsu of life um like review subscribe check us out on apple itunes and do all that type of thing that is my brother partner in crime carter fisk i'm mo and as always we wish you guys nothing but the best both on and off the mat thank you guys for listening
0: thank you guys that's it for this episode of the Jitsu of life your hosts are carter fisk and mo sadiki this podcast is brought to you by rule makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel you can subscribe to the Robless newsletter to get the exclusive content at robless.com. You can find more episodes of this show on our website at the And you can subscribe to us at Apple podcasts. Thank you for listening. And we wish you a great week, both on and off the mat.